Hello! Welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is Dr. Joanna Martin. Jo is a renowned coach, a catalyst, and she is leading women into a new global paradigm using and integrating something called soft power. We'll talk about it in the episode. You're going to love it. Basically, Joe has reached more than 100,000 people across multiple continents. She's also the editor-in-chief of Helm Magazine, which is a quarterly publication for women leading the change. She also founded One of Many, which is an organization that has supported more than 60,000 female leaders to greater impact without burnout. She's widely regarded as a secret weapon behind the success of hundreds of changemakers and entrepreneurial leaders. In addition to that, she's hilarious and fun and Australian, so you're going to love listening to her voice. We have a really good vibe in this one. The connection is strong, and Joe lets fly all kinds of wonderful insights about how women can change the world. I love it. I support it. I'm here for it, and I'm glad that you are here as well. So without further ado, Joe Martin. All right. We are officially having a podcast. So Joanna Martin, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm stoked to talk to you. You're a, you're a fellow Australian. We had a little bit of a technical hiccup joining the call, which turned out <laughs> to be completely my fault, <laughs> but we both learned a lesson. And so... Before we get into it, I always like to have the guest introduce themselves a little bit so that those listening who have no idea who Joanna Martin is, has a little bit of a background. And I find that when they do it, when you do it, it's preferable to when I do it. Because I will, I will not do you justice. As they say. <laughs> it's funny you say that because most women probably wouldn't do themselves justice when asked that oh. question. But, you know, that's our imposter right. syndrome thing that we, we tend to uh, come up against. But I'll give it my best shot because it's not a question I've never yeah. had before. Yeah. And then, and then when you're done, I can mansplain who you really are to the audience. Oh, that would be right? perfect. Yeah. Thank you. No yeah, worries. I'd appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, um, the, the who are you question has many multiple answers, doesn't it? I guess um, I wear a number of hats presently. My, uh, I'm the founder of an organization called One of Many, and we exist to support women leaders who are trying to handle the daily juggle and want to increase their impact in the world without burning out. So that's kind of my job, if you like, my J-O-B. I've been uh, in the coaching and personal development sphere for quite a long time now, actually. It always makes me feel a little bit old when I think about it, since 2003. But I actually cut my teeth as a medical doctor. I trained as a medical doctor. And, uh, um, and while I loved it, aspects of it, it wasn't my soul's calling in the world. So I got to my intern year and during that year, I thought, this, this is not it. You know, I'm making a difference, but I'm not making my difference in the world. So um, I did the very next logical thing and uh, moved to Sydney and went to drama school. Um, I, I had... Uh, <laughs> so you dropped, you dropped out of med school and then went to drama school? No, no, I graduated med oh. school and then went to drama school okay. after that. Yeah, so that's completely logical. I, I don't do dropping out of things. That's not my, uh, well, at that point I didn't, I have to say. Yeah. Um, but I went, I, went to, um, I went off to drama school, which was fantastic. I loved it. Like there it felt much more, oh, this is me. This is who I am. But um, 
not long into that, I thought, oh, hang on, this isn't it either. Like I was having a lot of fun, but it, it didn't feel right. And it was then that I came across this whole industry of coaching and leadership and training, which certainly wasn't at my career's day. I'm not sure about yours. You know, I'd never heard of it. Mm. Um, and I thought, oh, oh, that's it. That that's That's that union of wanting to be of service and to help and to heal, you know, that kind of aspect that had taken me into medicine alongside the, the storytelling and the, the dream making and all of that kind of stuff that I loved from, um, from my acting. So um, I got started in, in that domain and had a couple, I've had a couple of businesses over the years very successfully. And, um, but I think the, the biggest challenge I face at the moment is I'm the mum to two small kids. I've got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. You know, my husband and I are two Aussies trapped on the other side of the world from our family. I mean, we don't get me wrong. We love the UK. We're here by choice. But, uh, but I'm really feeling it over this last year, being, mm. being away from family and all of that. So just trying to manage every day as we can. I feel that. I'm sure everybody listening feels that. Mm. And just out of curiosity, what brought you to the UK? <laughs> we, um, I had, a, I had a good friend who had moved to the UK to head up a company that I, I used to contract to. So I was the head of research and training for an organization, a global organization. We're really a fast growing company on the, in the personal development space, um, uh, about 10 years ago. And, um, and she came over to London to head up their London office. And after a while, I, um, I left that organization. She said, well, why don't you move to the UK? And Greg, we, we'd all had a bottle of wine and my husband and I looked at each other and we didn't have a good enough reason why not. <laughs> so uh, we literally, had, we just launched a business in Australia, teaching the business of speaking um, was what we were doing because that's what I had learned so much about in the, in the previous kind of, you know, four years, five years. And so we just launched it in Australia. We thought well, we can do this in two countries. So we came over to London and have been living on and off sort of between Australia and the UK since 2003, because we didn't have a good enough reason to the answer. Why not? Um, Love that. Below that, interestingly for me, I, I've always felt more at home in England than I have in Australia. Like I, I came over here for the first time when I was 18 years old. And I remember that descent into Heathrow when you come down through the clouds because you're always coming down <laughs> through clouds when you land at Heathrow. Um, and then you, you drop down into the green and, and the, all of the terrace houses and something in my spirit just went, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm back, I'm home. You know, there was this real sense of homecoming about it. And when we, you know, I, I've lived here on and off and, and traveled here as much as I could over the years um, from Australia. But when, um, when Greg and I had been over here a while and we were married at this stage and decided that we wanted to start a family, we moved back to Melbourne to settle down in inverted commas and start a family near our family. And nothing happened. We didn't conceive and we got frustrated and we hate Melbourne. Like Melbourne is a lovely city, but everyone says about Melbourne, oh, it's so European. And I'm like, if you want European, go to Europe, right? Like why, why don't go to Europe? So we, um, we moved back here and we came out to the countryside and, and I had an even deeper feeling of that, of like, ah, oh, here we are. This is, this is really home, you know? So it has, it has been beautiful to us as a couple and, and supporting in my purpose and mission in the world. And, um, and it's been a really beautiful place to start our family. So we've loved it. Love that. I, I want to go back to something you said right at the beginning when you alluded to women being very familiar with imposter syndrome. Oh yeah. What, what, 
Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, women are really familiar with imposter syndrome. <laughs> Next question. So, okay, thank yeah. you, Jeff. Yeah, thank you. Um, no, uh, uh, I guess, you know, to put some context around that. So we've supported, um, well, over the last six years through one of many, we've had about 60,000 women through our ranks. And uh, prior to that, when I was working with speakers and coaches, I attracted predominantly women being a woman myself. And it was really interesting to me when I would coach both men and women who were speakers and coaches, just how much easier it was for, for the blokes to, you know, talk about themselves or to share their success or to, you know, big themselves up in a way because they knew it was necessary for whatever the purpose was, et cetera. Whereas a lot of women had a really tough time with it. Or, and if they had done any, anything successful um, and earned success, they would, they would often be, you know, um, uh, talking it down or dimin diminishing it or, um, uh, or, or uh, blaming someone else for their success, you know. Um, and so over, especially in, in kind of recent years, it's been something that I've, almost every woman I speak to who is, an amazing leader, I ask them the question if it doesn't come up in conversation. And I am yet to meet a woman in a position of leadership who does not relate to um, that, that vibe of if I do well, my natural tendency is to want to credit others or it's just a fluke or sooner or later someone's going to find out that I'm a little girl from Tassie and I don't really know what's going on, you know, like that that little vibe um, that seems to always be there. I think I, I don't think it's an exclusively female thing. I've certainly spoken to a lot of men who've experienced that as well. Mm -hmm. But um, as interestingly, recently I was... Um, I was at a, uh, a leadership gathering um, on um, Necker Island uh, with Sir Richard Branson and a bunch of extraordinary um, leaders. There was Martin Luther King III there and Juan Manuel Santos, who'd um, the former president of Colombia, who negotiated the peace treaty with the FARC guerrillas. And there was uh, and there was a woman there, Hala Thomas Dota, who ran for president of Iceland after running one of the only financial institutions, perhaps the only financial institution that didn't go bankrupt when Iceland went bankrupt because it was all women. It was That was her philosophy about it when she talked about it. It was we were putting a feminine touch to finance. Anyway, this is a woman who's run for president. You know, she's run major banks. She has done everything. And, and she is now the CEO of, um, of the B team, which is a collection of amazing CEOs around the world who are um, really looking at, you know, basically the premise is plan A for business hasn't really worked. We need plan B where we have stakeholders, um, you know, stakeholder supremacy, not, you know, shareholder supremacy kind of, kind of thing and, and really shifting economy. The people she hangs out with every day are the most extraordinary kind of business leaders on the planet. And um, I'm talking to her, like, you know, I said, oh my God, I'm, I'm such a, was such a fan girl, right? When I, when I arrived, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's so lovely to speak to you. You know, I, what do you need? How can I be of support? I'll come and pick up your dry cleaning, whatever. And we had the most lovely conversation about imposter syndrome because she was saying, you know, I, I, this is ridiculous. I know that I fit in here and that I know that, but, but here I am on, you know, Branson's Island with all of these people and I'm feeling all of the same, all of this same stuff. And, and her philosophy on it was we've got to talk about it. The only way to take away the power that it can have over us and our ability to step up in leadership, whether we be male or female for that matter, is to give it voice and to say, you know, this is, this is what's 
going on for me in this moment or this is what was going on for me that time that this thing happened. Um, so I, that, I've really taken that away from her and I think it makes a real difference. And I know when I share that with my, with my community, there's that kind of collective sigh of relief of, well, at least I'm not the only one, you know. And I don't yeah. think there's anywhere you actually get to where it stops because every, whenever you keep growing, it's like the little you inside has to is always growing to keep up and she's always a few steps behind in my experience. Yeah, I've, I've said that to clients when they say, oh, I'm feeling like an imposter. I just say, good, get used to it because it's going to happen at every level of growth or expansion that you experience. So when you say it's the, what did you say? It's the little you growing up or. Yeah. You know that there's that there's, I kind of relate to her as that little, you know, the, the, the little Tazzy girl, the little girl who never spoke to anyone on the bus that, you know, I was amazing. I still am very shy. You know, I can happily stand on stage in front of 3000 people, but put me in a room of people where I don't know anyone. And I'm, <laughs> I go to pieces, but, um, but that, that little, that, you know, that little self, uh, who's, who is, and I guess it is the, it is probably the inner child or the, or the naivety of ourselves that still knows, you know, all of those little things that happened to us growing up that got found out where our shame lives and all of that kind of stuff. We carry all of that with us. But of course, someone that we're just meeting for the first time or meets us first via our bio or our website or something, they don't see any of that. And so how you're often perceived is not how you perceive yourself. But I'm, I'm, I always, you know, I always, for myself and certainly for the, for the women in our community, I, I like you, I say, uh, in, keep it, don't let go of it because I prefer that you can keep your feet on the ground rather than getting, as soon as someone gets carried away in their own bullshit, then we have a problem on our hands, do you know? So I think it's also quite a grounding, a grounding force if we don't let it diminish us. Mm. Yeah, I've never heard that before. I like that. So, so in some ways, feeling like an imposter is a dose of humility, right? I think it's, so. it's like humbling. Yeah. I think so, provided if we can give it voice and not, and therefore take away its power. Do you know? Like, if it's so much that it stops you, then 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 you can't have your impact in the world. You can't fulfill your purpose on the planet. However, if, you know, there's something, there's a, there's a piece here around ego, isn't there? Like ego can be overinflated. We can have too much of a sense of ourselves and too much imposter is just the same. It's still ego, right? It's still, but it's at the other end. For me, humility, I, mean, I love etymology. Like I, I'm a bit of a etymology uh, geek. And whenever I want to really get my teeth into something, I'll look up the root of the word. And humility has its roots in the Proto-Indo-European word, meaning earth, so for me, this is, this is what humility is. It's not like, you know, you're better than me or whatever, but it's this groundedness. It's, it's having, being grounded around what is, be, what is so, you know, and not getting too head in the clouds, not getting too, you know, prostrate on the floor, but, but yeah. groundedness. Yeah, like the sweet spot. So yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel just enough imposter syndrome that I still want to be here. And I, and I kind of can convince myself that I belong, but not an overwhelming amount where I have to run away, hide yeah. in the closet. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, okay. And so you primarily work with women, it, it sounds like, mm -hmm. to help them to use their voice, raise their voice, own their truth, 
change the world. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I um, we we launched one of many um, six, coming up six yeah six years ago now, and uh, and it came at a time when well I'd just given birth to my son James, and there's something magical that happens when you hold this perfect little creature that has never been touched by, you know, man-made anything, right? That, that you go, oh, my God, this is, it's, it's perfection. It's like it hasn't, it's had nothing but breast milk. Do you know, like there's this, and you, every, it activates, for, certainly for me, and I've spoken to a lot of women since, and it activates every cell in your body to kind of keep it perfect. And I had this crazy frustrating time in my first um in my first weeks of uh of parenthood where similarly you kind of open up to why well, I call it source some people call it god or the divine or the higher self or whatever but there's this like it's like some big thing opens up you have all these amazing ideas simultaneously every moment is taken up with feeding changing or trying to get this thing to sleep so that you can do nothing about it except meditate on your great ideas while you breastfeed and um and I, I remember one of these things that I was present to was just how not okay I was with the state of the world. When I looked at this little piece of perfection and then I looked out at the world and I looked at all the financial inequity and I looked out at all of the racial inequality and the gender inequality and the environmental situation we were facing and just the state of politics in general. I mean, I thought it was bad back then, you know. And I remember thinking, uh, sitting with that, and, th- and there's, this, um, there's a quote that's bandied about quite a bit in the women's space from the Dalai Lama. And he said that the Vancouver Peace Summit, actually, in 2009, he said the Western woman, the world will be saved by the Western woman, um, which is, you know, kind of lovely. And a lot of women hear that as marching orders. And, and I know the, you know, first times I heard that, I was like, yeah, you know, like I don't necessarily think it's Western women. I think there are women, I think it's women of resources, really what he's was talking about, women who have access to resources, women of privilege. And there are women of relative privilege in Africa and the Far East and the Middle East as well. It's not just the West. But but I think the point here is that there is something in the compassion, in the natural compassion, in the natural kind of tendencies of women that met with privilege and resource can actually fundamentally shift the world. And I used to think it was like, you know, the, the Hillary Clintons or the Theresa Mays or the Jacinda Ardern's, you know, she's my favorite pinup child for, uh, for um, women's leadership at the moment out in uh, New Zealand. Um, I used to think that was what he was talking about or CEOs and so on. But in that moment, I thought, hang on a second. No, he's talking about me, me and my sister and my mom and my grandmother and my neighbor. Do you know women? And I just started thinking about this in the developing world. We know that if we equip and empower a woman in a community, her community will come out of poverty far faster than if we do the same thing with um, with the men, right? There's so much research that shows keep girl children in school, put women at the centre. In the developing world, we know that's the strategy. So it made sense to me with my kind of background in, in that kind of philanthropic sector and understanding, you know, that the charitable work and the way that we I was giving and to whom and why, it makes sense to me that in, in the West or the developed world that it would be the same, that if we really equip and empower women, 
women who are way too busy doing all of the juggle. There's someone still buying the Christmas presents and paying for the car insurance and, you know, all of that stuff. Far too busy to change the world. Those women, if we can equip and empower them to be able to handle the day-to-day juggle so that they can unleash that natural desire for change, that compassion that feels the pain of others and therefore wants to do something about it, um, that is, that for me is the single biggest lever towards, I think, most of the sustainable development goals that, um, that have been stated by the UN. You know, if we, can, if we can really tap into the leadership of women, I think if we can shift the dial on parity of leadership, everything else, all of the others, will, will really get um, come along behind that naturally. But most women... We don't, we don't step up. We can't, we don't, we don't, because we think that stepping up means more of what got us here, which is usually superwoman energy, you know, go hard, go long, you know, overachieve, excel at school, get all A's, get a great job, you know, date, speed date, find the right guy, you know, shag him senseless, be the best in bed, marry him, have the children, get dinner on the table, you know, like that whole trajectory is what we think success or impact has to look like. And therefore, if we want to get up into you know, any meaningful impact in a big way, if it's just going to be more of that, we check out. We go, no, we're not going to do it. So we've really looked at, um, we've really looked at one of many at how do we completely shift the operating system that we're coming from, that it doesn't have to be more superwoman and that we can shift it to what we call soft power, and if we can come and, and operate from this new paradigm, a new operating system, if you like, then we can increase our impact without the burnout. So that's kind of what we do these days. Very long answer to the short question, but. Well, it's an important answer, though. And it's mm. not necessarily a simple one. Like, uh, there's, so there's a lot going on in the world. Uh, historically, we've been doing it a certain way. Uh, there's cultural, society, familial norms around what it means to be a woman, right? And you are offering a new design or a new paradigm to move forward. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, I I would say that's probably the way to approach it, yeah. And then for a woman listening right now who is perhaps nodding her head or raising a fist to everything that you just said, (laughs) like, what what next like where do they start is there like a framework or are there specific um ideals that you teach uh, how do we how do we change the world joe <laughs> <laughs> well uh if i had the answer to that question you yeah. can uh, you can be sure that i would be doing very different things um but i think the point is one person doesn't have the answer to that. It is going to be a collaborative effort, right? We all have a perspective that can shift us towards where we need to go. But to answer the first part of it, which is where does a woman start to be able to increase her impact uh, without suffering from what we usually do when we try and step up, whether that's stepping up to leadership in our family or in a small community way or in an organization, the fear that is there for a lot of women is what am I going to lose 
you know, how much more time is it going to take me? How, um, how am I possibly going to fit it in? I'll end up being a terrible partner, a terrible mother. Do you know, that is because the assumption is there that, that superwoman is the only way to get this done. So the first piece that we have to do is, is, is make, the sh- make the paradigm shift. And to make a paradigm shift, we've got to appreciate what is the paradigm that we're in, right, to start with. So we've got to look historically. And, and what, I, what I see happen for most women is there's this big aha when they look at history, historically, where are we? So for most of us, we, um, or most of the women that, that uh, come into our community, not exclusively, but most, we live in countries that celebrate masculine ideals more than feminine ideals. Some interesting research done by a guy called Hofstede back in 2001. Um, he's got some really interesting research, actually. And one of the things he did was rate countries around the world on a scale of masculinity and femininity, masculine um, ideals being those that celebrate individualism, you know, heroism, assertiveness, uh, achievement, you know, material success, competition, that kind of stuff, and feminine ideals being collaboration, um, community, humility, uh, family, those sorts of things. And this is not a, it's not a gender thing. This is, you know, just kind of the, the, these values that are traditionally associated with these two kind of energies, I suppose you could call them. And what, what the first piece about this, which is really interesting is that certainly where I come from Australia, the UK, the States, um, Canada, we're uh, very masculine countries, right? They're, they're very much on the masculine end of the spectrum. So we are first of all swimming in a national culture that celebrates individualism competition, material success. So a little girl born into that starts to go, well, to succeed, therefore, those are the things that I need to be. Mm-hmm. Then she has a family experience. You know, for me, you know, I had, I had a dad, uh, three girls. Not that he ever, there was never any kind of talk of, I didn't have sons or any of that kind of stuff. But we were, we were very much celebrated for our achievements. You know, I became an overachiever because I thought achievement and love were the same. You know, if I achieve, then they'll love me. You know, all of that, all of that kind of stuff. So, um, so that drives that achievement and competition edge. And then we usually work, go into a, a workplace where by the very culture of, of most workplaces, it, it's the same. It, it's competition, success, achievement. And there might be some collaboration towards all of that, um, but, but predominantly that's the workspace. So where all of the feminine qualities that are naturally inherent in both men and women are not celebrated in the paradigms within which we grow up. So therefore, as a, as a young girl, and I speak from my own experience, but I know it's representative of the experience of tens of thousands of women that we've worked through in our communities now, we then shun those qualities. You know, we, we switch them off. You know, I remember going to university and I would, I would turn up in, you know, tracky dacks, we call them in Australia, you know, tracksuit bottoms and Blunston boots. And I would wear clothes that would make me look so male because I did not want to be thought of as feminine because for me, femininity meant weakness. You know, it meant I'm not intelligent. I'm weak. I can't make up my own mind. I did not want to be one of those ditzy kind of girls that I, you know, equated all of that with. And so there was a whole part of my, 
natural advantages of, uh, you know, in terms of operating in the world, which were never explored, never mentored, never fostered, because everything about the paradigm was celebrating only my masculine attributes. And that turned me into superwoman. And we see this all around the world. And that had me nearly burnt out by the age of 30. So the first thing is to recognize that how we how we rate ourselves as women is usually by values that our culture tells us, our family tells us, our programming tells us, our workplace tells us. And yet it, what it leads us to is setting goals that aren't usually our own. So we end up either not achieving them and not understanding why or achieving them and going, huh, that's not even slightly fulfilling. Why? Because there's this whole other aspect of ourselves, which were, has been, not even slightly nurtured or fostered. Mm. When we can shift into that side of us, when we can activate our soft power, what I call soft power, that we, it's like this whole expansive way of being in the world where one can be feminine and strong. We, we talk a lot about power types or, the, or archetypes because I didn't have any role models for that. So, um, so I looked at, you know, I looked at archetypes because I couldn't see examples of this around me. All I saw was, you know, the Maggie Thatchers, those hard, edgy, bossy boots women that were really men in dresses, do you know? Um, or not men in dresses, but that masculine, masculinized energy, pure masculine energy kind of dressed up. Um, and I didn't see any role models. So I started looking into archetypes and then, uh, you know, started working with the queen, the energy of the queen, the energy of the mother, the energy of the lover power type and what she's got to bring to the party, the energy of the sorceress, the energy of the warrioress. And so we work with these energies and help women to foster this whole part of themselves. And therefore what happens is, they step up to more, they're able to achieve more because they start to work with and through others from this much more expanded place and they don't burn out because at the core of it is this um, uh, is their recognition of taking care of their needs and, and, uh, and nurturing themselves and others. It's a, it's a really, it's a powerful shift, but it happens when you see where you come from and then you go, well, not that, what else is there? Okay, there's this way. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's powerful to, to witness. One of the things that came up for me when you were describing was that was how it might manifest in the world. And the idea that came up was mean girls. You know, mm -hmm. how, how mm -hmm. in, in elementary school or middle school, there's the mean girls that are bullying and there's us versus them and how... I've heard it described women tearing down women or there's a cattiness or I've heard from a lot of women through the years that they have a real hard time creating sisterhood yes. right? where they find yes. supportive, loving women who want them to succeed. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, and I think that when you were talking about that whole cultural societal situation, that it's not just like a phrase, it's an actual day-to-day -day experience that an individual will have to confront right and so you're shifting not only the you're trying to 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 turn the entire ship around in some ways through the perpetuation of a different definition of success a different definition of power a different way of doing and being and supporting that's exactly yeah. it that's exactly it because it is we we 
men and women alike live at the uh, detrimental end of the impact of this paradigm, this very masculinized paradigm every single day. Yes, for groups of women, it does manifest exactly as you've said in cattiness and, and bitchiness. And there is nothing, I mean, the competition between women is far uglier than competition between men. We're, we're wicked and awful when we're in that state, right? It's terrifying. And we have so many women who come to our women, women's only conferences very nervous because they think they're walking into, you know, the lioness's den and there's a terror. They're really, you can see them in their eyes. Like, so when they arrive and it's all huggy and, 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 and love and, you know, and uh, they're like, what are these people on? But it, that is one of the key, I guess, experiences that a lot of our girls uh, talk to when they arrive, how profound that is to feel what deep, profound sisterhood feels like, do you know? But it's interesting because it's not just women who suffer because of this. It's, 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 it's all of us, you know, it's all of us because we're depriving, um, we're depriving our kids of role models of what strong femininity looks like. Um, we're also, and I think, I think it's just the same, and, and it's a conversation for another day as well and probably for another person to be fair, but, but I see it in masculinity as well. I think masculinity is very confused because we've been so tangled up in, um, in a world culture which celebrates the profane masculine. We've lost what is sacred masculine and what's the sacred feminine and how can we work together both with both of those energies inside one individual and as we come together, you know, um, in community to have to have impact in the world, but what what we've what we're committed to being inside of one of many is the role models that we don't see yet. And interestingly, I've noticed since we launched six years ago, we are starting to see some real um, leadership in, in this area. You know, I've already mentioned Jacinda Ardern out in New Zealand, who I think epitomizes all five of those women's power types that we talk about. You know, I've seen her her mother energy um, after the mass murder in the mosque. You know, um, I, I, I saw that there. I saw her, I saw her, um, her warrioress energy in response to coronavirus. You know, her queen energy, being really clear about what the boundaries are. You know, I see her. Um, I follow her on Facebook, and I see her lover energy in you know the um, in, in the cheekiness that she has around uh, around things and how she treats her team. And um, you know, it's, she's just she epitomizes all of that. So we're starting to see world leaders and leaders of corporations, more visible leaders who I think can be those role models. And what we're looking to do is at a grassroots level, be those role models so that the next generation, our children, our children's children, or, you know, our nephews and nieces, if we don't have our own kids, can see what it looks like such that I hope within one or two more generations, it's not even a question and we can move back away from gender because, you know, I get a, it's pretty controversial talking about, you know, about gender, you know, surely if we want to get gender inequality, we should stop talking about gender. But, um, but I feel like until we shine the light on the lived experience and we, we, we show a different way of, of um, how it can be that I think eventually we can get back to just being humanity again, but it's a little, you know, it's a little way off yet. Yeah, I agree. And I've, I've had a bunch of dudes come on the podcast to talk about men specifically. And I think you're right on. There's obviously a lot to unpack there. And that's mm. uh, a separate conversation entirely. <laughs> but, but it's very similar in that 
we recognized, and me speaking for all men right now, I recognize is dangerous. <laughs> but nonetheless, I have a microphone. So uh, we, we recognize we've been doing certain things for a certain amount of time. And you step back and look at how the world is. And there's violence and there's inequality and there's injustice and there's a whole bunch of other things. And it's like, okay, maybe let's consider together the possibility that there might be potentially a different way of doing this, right? <laughs> let's just maybe begin to have that dialogue. And as you've suggested over the last decade, it's, it's been ongoing, of course, mm-hmm. since... Uh, since the dawn of our nations, there have been voices speaking to this. But I feel like mm-hmm. in the last decade or two, it has really gathered steam and you're starting to see exactly as you've described, world leaders who are exemplifying these types of mm-hmm. entities that we, that we want to shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious if you could describe a little bit more your phrase soft power and yeah. what that is, how you use it, what does it look like? Yeah, so 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 we came up with that term to describe basically because I'll tell you why because I didn't want to use the word feminine because most women do not want to be a part of that because we you know, we we you know we have it equivalent with weakness just as I did so many so many women not spirit not in the spiritual kind of communities that's that's cool people get you know feminine power all of that kind of stuff but where we're where we're trying to do our work and one of many we I'm kind of think of us as a a gateway organization if you like to from mainstream into into that kind of into that world um, <laughs> the gateway so, uh, drug Okay, with a gateway drug, baby. Um, truly, you you got no idea. But um, but it, so in our in our kind of front uh, conversation, I don't talk about femininity because it turns people off a lot. So for me, but uh, that's what soft power is about, though. It is about soft, as in um, agreeable, calm, gentle, yielding. And I'm not talking about being passive and nice and lovely to everybody all the time. It's not that at all. What I'm talking about is gentle to oneself, agreeable with one's inner, you know, with one's inner truth, yielding to um, how source wants to move through you. And, and yes, sometimes it does look like in a negotiation, you know, the strongest thing you can do is take your opponent's attack and transmute that energy as we see in, you know, martial arts and so on. Yes, it does sometimes translate to outside, but it's predominantly this way of being with oneself that is, um, that, that, uh, that, that harnesses some of these more natural talents and advantages that we have access to as women. Like when we open up to them, they, they, they want to flow out. Right. And then the power side of it is not what we often think of when we first think of power. It's not dominion over, you know, power over or that kind of forceful, aggressive, dominant power that we've grown up with inside of the masculine paradigm, but more, um, uh, again, etymologically, the etymology of the word power is from the old English of, of to be able. So it's just the being able to whatever. So as, as we're thinking about soft power, we're talking about a way of working within oneself to be able to impact the world in whatever way that looks like, a, a way that is um, sustainable for a woman. Because this is the piece. For most of us, when we're operating from our old paradigm, impact is not sustainable because most will burn out or, or, um, or end up 
at least unfulfilled, if not on their knees, you know, mm. whereas a, sta- a sustainable sense of power is, um, is this one which can be more in alignment with, with one's sense of purpose, one's sense of self, um, with these, you know, and, and that's why we use the five women's power types because at the early, in the early phases of exploring this, women just want to know exactly how do I do it? Yeah. So, you know, we introduce these five power types. of like, well, here's one part of it. It's queen energy. It's holding the vision for your realm. It's being able to set your boundaries. It's being able to, um, uh, you know, to rally uh, rally people to a cause and so on. Um, it's about developing your lover energy. Your 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 part of you that that gets that you get one body in life. You know that this is your vessel and self care and um, nurturing and nourishing and replenishment are not the result of hard work. They are the cause of um, impact. So we give frameworks with the power types that um that help uh, and exercises for people to embody those and we have a profiling tool so people can see which they're highest in and where their challenges are and therefore what their growth journey can be around that and that the first step for a lot of women is 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 appreciating where they're at in terms of their five women's power types, you know, what, what is their access to them currently? And then mapping a journey for themselves to be able to access them more, to nurture them and nourish them and grow them inside of themselves. Because once they have access to those five, they have access to the resources to face almost any problem that life throws at you or any opportunity that could come your way. You know, you really only need those five and, and you really, you're, you're really well placed. Um, mm. So, and, and then once they've got that sense of power inside themselves, then we help activating the, the power base, which is others, which is collaboration. Because a lot of people think they're doing it, but they're not really doing it. They're working very individually in a co-working space. Do you know it's a it's a it's a it's a very different uh, concept. So we then activate uh, help them to activate that power center once they're a little more uh, versed in that piece. Yeah, there's there's layers to this shit, right? Mm-hmm. There's levels. So you, I've had this as, as well in my own life where I think like I'm a good dude. I know my stuff. I'm pretty switched on. I'm a good boyfriend. And then something occurs, and it's like oh. I don't know anything and I'm kind of an asshole. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> like, what's going on, right? Um, but you, you reminded me also of my, my own partner, um, Kendra, and she last year named her year, which is an exercise that my buddy Traver Bohm is really, uh, he, he loves. And so she named her year, uh, Reclaim the Throne. Oh, nice. Right? Because she was like, I need to reclaim my sovereignty, like reclaim my, my power. And then so this year she's named your year something around service and um, providing support. So it's like, how do I rule my kingdom? Right. Mm. And so to those listening, I just want to offer that it's, it's not like you take a, a personal development pill and you're fixed or you listen to a podcast and it's done. This is an actual <laughs> committed devotional process that requires a daily dedication and commitment to really transform your life at all levels Uh, Mm. and and it's hard and it's overwhelming at times and you will feel like quitting sometimes in in my experience and those of my clients i'm sure you agree joe and and it's all the more reason to get yourself into a community of supportive humans who can guide you and teach you and love you and hold your hand and shove your ass forward when that's required as well 
Mm. Do you have any thoughts on that? Am I off I base think there? That, yeah, you, you went exactly where I would have gone with that, which is it is a lifelong journey. I mean, I've been teaching this stuff for a while now and I am still absolutely new to it. Do, do you know? Like, there no, is you're, sense- uh, you're fixed. You're a guru now, right? You've, you've launched yeah, the business. Yeah, that's it, and- right? I'm, I'm yeah. done. Yeah. Um, but this, I, I spent, I actually spent quite a bit of my time on social media sharing where I mess up, you know, sharing where I go wrong, because I really do think that the human, we're, until we are enlightened, and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get there in this lifetime, um, where there's always somewhere to go and there's always more to, more to learn. But, but you, you hit the nail on the head um, with, with community. When we're in a community where we don't have to hold the mask on, where we don't have to pretend that we've got it more together than we have, where it's okay to show up and go, oh, my God, can I just vent and to be able to vent? And then your sisters will hold you while you vent and then say, okay, now you've vented. I'm standing alongside you and going, I'm hearing that you need to bring some queen back to that, uh, you know, back to your boss and, uh, and show up with a strong boundaries conversation and then, you know, remind you of whatever tools you might have in your tool belt. Because we are all human. We all hurt. We all panic when we can't buy toilet paper. Do you know, like we all, these are human experiences. And if we don't deal with those emotions as they build up in our system, we turn into the less mm. fabulous version of ourselves, no matter how equipped we are. We've all got to have, you know, good emotional hygiene habits. We've got to have really good um, uh, support networks to be able to ride the ups and downs. And by God, this last year has given us a lot of those and it's not letting up anytime soon. I think now more than ever, we need that kind of community, you know? Yeah, I love it. Um, Joe, where can people find you on the internet if they want more of your wisdom and Australian accent. <laughs> uh, well, our web address is oneofmany.co.uk. So you can head over to the website. There's loads of great free resources on there um, to get started if you want to join me. I do a Facebook Live um, every Tuesday at uh it's 1 p.m london time so wherever you are in the world it's a lunch and learn i do a kind of free lunch and learn live on on the facebook uh the one of many facebook page um so that's a really great place to kind of come in um and uh get connected in and you know if you search for one of many and dr joanna martin on most of your social profiles you'll you'll find us so there's plenty of ways to get hooked in and connected and lots of great resources to start with is there any final thoughts, words of wisdom or anything that we haven't covered that you're just like, no, Jeremy, we're not done yet. Like the whole world needs to know <laughs> this. Uh, is there anything that oh, comes up? If not, that's oh, also that's fine. Always hard as, it's always hard as you said, but at, just, as you, just as you said that, I, I'm always, what I always end up signing off with is, is be, we have to be kind to ourselves, right? We have to be kind to ourselves because we are human. And I think the, the, our worst critics are ourselves. We judge ourselves far more harshly than anyone will judge us. And there is so much afoot right now that change makers like the people who are drawn to you and who listen to this podcast, you know, people who want to make a difference, want to make an impact. 
We can want to be the best at whatever our cause is yesterday because we feel the pain of it. We feel how wrong it all is. And then we might try and we might mess it up. We might say the wrong thing. We might, you know, in our efforts to try and build a bridge somewhere, we might accidentally burn one. And we can be so harsh with ourselves. So I really do think that, that you know, if there's something that has been really important for me over the years and that I see in the women in our community who really shine long-term with the, with the work is the ability to find the part of themselves that can be kind and have compassion for their own humanity, you know? Oh, I absolutely know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you know this about me, but I gave a Ted talk called what if kindness was cool. Oh, well, there you go. I I did not know that piece. Yeah. That's why when you said that, I was like heart eye emoji. It's like, Oh yes, (laughs) (laughs) please continue. Yeah. And like one way that I describe, I guess, soft power is that kind hearts are strong hearts. Yeah. It's like, that's my version of that. And Mm -hmm. I've also taken to referring to kindness and compassion as a root solution rather than a root problem. You know, I think that it's one of those things that if we could all embody that, we would have a solution for a very very many other things that we're trying to resolve. So I love that you ended it like that. And that was perfect. And uh, the universe works in mysterious ways. But thank you so much for coming to hang out with me and for all the work that you do. I think it's it's so important and so powerful and exactly what the world needs more of. So keep on keep on doing it. And let me know how I can support. If you want to come hang out again another time, uh, when you're launching something, the, the door is open and I would love to assist where I can. Thank you very much. And yeah. thanks so much for having me keep love bombing the world because we, yeah. we need it. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> what an absolute gem of a human, Joe Martin. Don't you just love her? She's so great. I've uh, included links in the show notes to all the stuff that she mentioned, including that Facebook sermon that she does each week. You can check her out on the internet. And uh, aside from that, start exercising some soft power and changing some shit, you know? We got work to do. We got to start doing it. So, yeah, thanks for being here. I adore you. I appreciate you. I'm glad you're here listening to my voice right now. Uh, If you want to leave a five-star review and something that makes me smile, I'm not mad about that. That's cool. I appreciate you. You can find me on Instagram at longdistancelovebombs. You can follow me, send me a message, say hi, say hey. Let's chat about the weather if you want. It's sunny right now. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. Thanks for being here. You're a gem. You're great. Uh, Keep doing some somersaults in your soul. We got some work to do. Life isn't that bad. Our hearts are still beating. We can get some shit done today, you know? Okay, I'll talk to you soon. You're the fucking best.